Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. All opinions are my own. Mr. Benfica can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Himalaya, as well as select episodes on YouTube at the Mr. Benfica channel there on YouTube and also all episodes available at www.mrbenfica.com. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 97 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and today we're talking women's football once again. You know the Mr. loves the ladies, and no um, no team do I love more. Um, no women's football team do I love more than Benfica, and you'll, you all know that. I am the self-proclaimed number one Benfica women's football fan in the United States of America, and to this moment, I am still the only podcast English or Portuguese covering Benfica women's football matches in depth and breaking down matches, um, or at least breaking down breaking down um, specific or selected matches, I should say, uh, as the season goes on. Just last week, we had a review of the season up till now, and I'm back now here to uh, bring you this review of the Derby uh, this past Saturday against, of course, Sporting Club Portugal, our rivals. And, well, the match didn't go the way we hoped, obviously, um, as Benfica suffer a setback, a defeat, and their first Liga BPI defeat, if I'm not mistaken, in history, as we do lose this one to our rivals. But there is a there is good news. Um, this isn't the end of the world because many have forgotten, and I'm sure if you listen to the Sporting podcasts, they may not uh, mention this, or they may. They're not. The Spartan podcast in English, at least, Spartan EN160, is a very good podcast and they do a good job. So they probably will know this, that this match, um, the result of this match only only counts here in the first phase. All right, This is simply a qualifying phase to the the championship round of the Liga BPI this season. Okay, So in two weeks' time, the, the first phase or the first stage will be complete in the top four teams in the north section and the top four in the south section will advance to the championship stage and at that point the results start all over everybody starts at zero so although i was let me tell you i was i was uh i was down after this result i was really up for this match uh, I got up at a ridiculous hour. Well, I was working anyways Saturday morning. I work Saturdays at my uh, at one of my jobs in the warehouse sh- um, in the shipping business, um, loading trucks. But I did have my phone, and I had my phone, uh, and I had my phone on on BTV, and I watched this match while I worked. And then I've watched it again since. I watched it a second time before recording this podcast. That's why I'm coming to you a little bit later than expected, but. 
watching it, I was really up for this match. And the way Benfica came out to start, it was they it looked very promising until Sporting uh, found the back of the net first. But I think what the the story of this match is going to tell uh, is that one of t- two teams in different different places right now as we know Benfica have lost a lot of players as have Sporting but Benfica lost a lot of top talent in the last several months okay going all the way back to the shutdown last season all right a lot of internationals and a lot of high level players did not return this season Benfica has been forced to to reinforce the team with players from from the youth squad, which I think in the long run is going to be good. But Benfica right now are in a stage where they're growing, as opposed to Sporting, who are a clearly, this match just showed just how much more experienced and how much more cohesive of a unit they are right now having played together the the core of of the sporting team has played together for upwards of four and five years they've been champions of the league before uh, and that all that experience showed in this matchup but i don't think that this is a bad a bad thing i think this was a great opportunity for Benfica to play a big match and to play under some some high stakes some heavy pressure and I think they'll come out of this uh, the better for it. I uh, it was a story of of two two matches really, as Benfica were the better side in the first half up until a crucial mistake by a young player um, cost Benfica the lead, um, or I should say, uh, it was first a very very informed goalkeeper that kept Benfica off the score sheet, and then a mistake that puts our rivals on the score sheet first. And from there, the match took a whole different, a whole different avenue. It was a completely different match than than the one it was shaping to be. But this is a good learning opportunity for the ladies, for the girls, okay, especially the young players. And we have a very young team now, and um, we still have some veterans. But the difference now, this season in this Benfica team, it's not that they're not talented because they're very talented and very much a candidate to win this Liga BPI this season. Okay, they are just as good as Sporting is. Okay, right now where Benfica is struggling is first of all there are injuries, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, but there are injuries. You got Darlene out. Darlene is the captain and still the club's all-time leading goal scorer. Okay, Jassy Vosconcelos, uh, one of the the left-sided uh, defender, is out on injury, as is one of the strikers, Carlotta Krist. Okay, you've got a goalkeeper that's not at the top of her game right now. She's working through it. She's trying to refine her form. So the manager's got some decisions to make, and maybe he made the wrong decisions in this match. We'll see. We'll analyze it in the next uh, hour or so and talk about that and see if we um, come to a conclusion. But what what I what this match really did tell me though is that uh, this was something Benfica needed. Okay, now if you've looked at the results this year, I talked about this last week in episode ninety five, I believe was the episode uh, reviewing the season up till now. You're not seeing the large score lines you're used to with this Benfica team. You're not seeing the twenty goals. You're not seeing fifteen or ten or eleven goals. Okay, they're not scoring as many goals. They're a younger team. They have a younger uh, base, if you will, a younger core. But they still have such good players, and I think this team is going to grow from this. And and by the time you listen to this, most likely they've already taken the pitch in Belgium on Wednesday for another Champions League qualifying match. A huge, huge match, which is a huge opportunity for this young group, or for the younger players in this group, I should say, to grow. The older players have played in big matches as well. we got several internationals for both Portuguese and Brazilian internationals in the team. Okay, we have experienced players who've played in other leagues, but for the younger players, this is a great growing opportunity, a great experience. And what I hope to do in the next hour or so is break this match down and and kind of tell what happened and where we go from here. And I don't think, like I said, that all is lost. I think that I come out of this after having watched it again a bit more positive, and I think there's there's plenty to correct, which is a good thing. I mean, the, the teaching moments are there for Luis Andrade. If he's able to maximize them and use them, uh, they are there to be taken. But 
we're going to talk um, about that and how this is not by any means the end of the world. And remember, once we get to the championship stage, everybody starts at zero points again. So this result will not carry over. So it ineffectively does not mean anything as Benfica and Spartan are both already guaranteed to be in that championship stage. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to hear Reconquista on the other side of this break. And then we'll be back to start breaking down this match, okay? We'll start breaking down Benfica versus Sporting from the Tapadinha. That was last Saturday morning, um, bright and early, 6 a.m. here in the United States. It was an 11 a.m. kickoff in Lisbon, a uh, very early kickoff. I'll get into my opinion on that. Um, may not be a popular one, but I don't mind sharing it. But we'll do that on the other side of this break and on the other side of Reconquista. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And you can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. On Facebook at www, uh, sorry, on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And of course, now updating. And there is a new post, I do want to say. There is a new post at www.mrbenfica.com. Check it out. All right. Um, I posted it this week, and I'll be posting more regularly there now uh, as we go forward. So do check out MrBenfica.com. All right, and we'll be right back with uh, with our review of this derby, Benfica and Sporting. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso, por direito Quem não vi, por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força, sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora, nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho Vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo and welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 97 and we are now at the Stadio de Tapadinha in Alcantara in the Alcantara region or I should say district or or parish of Lisbon um, it is the normal home to Athletic Club Portugal, which is also now the home of Benfica women's team since its inception. And it is the rivals of Benfica and Sporting, as you know. Liga BPI Stage 1, Match Day 7. The referee is Silvia Domingos. Her assistant referees are Vanessa Gomes, Ana Silva, and the fourth referee, fourth official is Sofia Haza. Sporting come into this match with six victories, no losses, no draws. Top of the table with a superior goal difference to Benfica's. And they are managed by longtime manager Susana Kova. The goalkeeper is Inês Pereira in this one. Uh, four across the back for Sporting, Portugal international. Ana Borges is the right-sided defender with Bruna Costa and the Serbian Navina Danjankovic as the pair in central defense, and Joana Marchão is the left-sided midfielder. 
or the left-sided defender, excuse me. In midfield, we have Tatiana Pintu, Wipke Meister, the German, uh, Fatima, Fatima Pintu, and Andrea Jacinto. And the two forwards in attack are Brazil international Raquel Fernandes, who leads the league in goals at this moment, and her strike partner, the Portuguese international, Ana Capeta. Benfica are led onto the pitch by their manager, Luiz Andrade. Benfica also six victories, no draws, no defeats, but an inferior goal difference to Sporting, as we said. Benfica not able to really run up those high scores this season that we had grown accustomed to, at least not yet. A uh, big decision for the manager to make right off the bat was in goal. Uh, we have seen a lot of Carolina Villon this season, and last weekend in round I want to say it was round six, uh, technically round six, at Torreyens in Torres It was uh, Dani Newhouse in goal on that day. She gave up three goals and had a really rough outing. Benfica did manage to pull out a last-minute 4-3 victory last, last weekend. Uh, this past midweek on Wednesday, Benfica had a makeup match from a match that was not played um, at its originally scheduled weekend in match day five or round five rather against Amora. So Benfica hosted Amora at the Seychelles this Wednesday. And in that match, Luis Andrade went with, Caroli- with Carolina Violão in goal and Benfica posted a 4-0 uh, clean sheet. And surprisingly, the manager decides to go with the experienced goalkeeper once again, the Brazil international. She's just been called up to the Brazilian national team, although she is going through quite a struggle right now, uh, both mentally, I think, as much as anything else, as uh, she's probably in her own head right now. And it's one of the real big battles of being a goalkeeper. But uh, the manager shows his confidence in her and goes with Danny Newhouse in goal across the back. Katarina Amado, who was an absolute phenom, on Wednesday night at the Seychelles, I did put in my Instagram story that she was a machina, a machine, uh, dominating the entire right side of the pitch that night against Amora. Um, shout out to Katarina Amado for sh- for for sharing my my story. Um, I did get to exchange a few messages with her, and uh, sh- she was very happy with her performance as well. And um, uh, she's partnered or she's joined in the back line by uh, Portugal International and Benfica's team captain, Silvia Javillo, and her center-back pairing. Also from the Portuguese national team, uh, Carol Costa. That Those are the, the two center-backs of both Benfica and of Portugal's national team. And on the left, in, in place of the injured Jesse Vasconcelos, is a young Portugal Youth International, Anita Seisa. She is the left-sided back. A lot of promise in that young player. She's a she's a very feisty and good defender, and she's actually a converted central defender. So she's a central defender being converted into a left back, perhaps out of need, or perhaps because the manager sees her potential to to play down the flank. In midfield, the usual trio here, or one of the usual combinations of trio um, in midfield with Paulita anchoring the midfield, and she has Ana Vitoria, the Brazil international, to one side, and Portugal's international, Andrea Faria, to the other side. This was the other game-time decision that Luiz Andrade made. He decided to go with young Andrea Faria in place of the Dutch midfielder, uh, Jolene Amani, who had been a more regular starter thus far this season. But at the last minute, uh, Luis Andrade opts to go with the young Portuguese international. And up front, Christy Uchibi is is partnered with the the striker, Nicole Rayusla, and, of course, the star, Canadian star player, former University of Iowa Hawkeye, Chloe Lacasse. So... As I just mentioned, Luis Andrade with a few surprising decisions going into this match. But remember, and I had forgotten this at the moment, and I was upset with Luis Andrade at the start of this match. I thought he didn't approach it correctly. I thought that he didn't select the right team. Um, But in fairness, um, I had forgotten that this was, for all intents and purposes, a preparation match for the final stage. Okay, This This was the equivalent of... One of those um, 
group stage matches in a Champions League or in a World Cup qualifier, Euro qualifier, where both teams have advanced and uh, it makes no difference who wins and who loses in, in, in the sense of, you know, the trajectory and of the path that the team will take throughout the rest of the competition. So perhaps... Knowing that Benfica have a midweek Champions League matchup, a must-win, do-or-die, one-off playoff in Belgium uh, this week on Wednesday, November the 18th. Perhaps Luis Andrade opted to rest a couple players, or I think he tried to recover goalkeeper Danny Newhouse's confidence. I think that was the idea in this one. Knowing, I guess, and again, I had not thought of it at the time, or not even realized it at the time, but knowing that um, he could afford to drop the points in this one, um, with the exception, of course, that it is a rivalry match and it is sporting and you never want to drop points to your rival. But from a manager's perspective, a lot of times the fans don't realize that that element a lot of times does not enter the manager's thought process or the manager's preparations um, for a match like this. When he has the opportunity to take chances and to maybe try things, a lot of times the manager is going to try to do that and take advantage of that opportunity. If you're a fan, if you're a supporter, you just want to beat your rival. And that's where I was because I had forgotten. I had forgotten that little ca uh, caveat of the competition at this stage that the the points do not carry over. So Benfica, as we said, coming off a midweek 4-0 victory over Amora at the Seychelles. And um, Sporting had the entire week off to prepare for this match. So slight advantage to the Leoge there. The Leoge, the, um, the two-time champions of the league. And the commentary team on BTV where I watched this, I watched this on BTV. If you're in Portugal, you very likely watched it on Canal Owens if you watched it. Or you could have watched it on BTV as well. But the BTV commentary teams uh, pointed out that it was a hot, sticky, foggy morning in Portugal. And I find it again, and this this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I I think that these governments and these, these restrictions they're putting in and these protocols that they're placing in place for this in reaction to this covid outbreak a lot of times make very little sense so these the federation go maybe this wasn't so much a government um decision but the federation and they did this with the women's league they did this with the campeonato portugal and the men's side the amateur side that these matches were all, would all be played at 11 in the morning as if COVID is less contractable at 11 in the morning or in the morning than it is at some other point in the day. This makes very, very little sense to anyone who can think for themselves. This makes sense to people who listen to the media, who listen to politicians, and just do what they say. But now that I got that off my chest, I'm going to stick to football. But again, this is an 11 a.m. an 11 a.m. kickoff, which for a derby is absolutely appalling. And if travel time is a reason why they have to play at 11 in the morning so that they're home at night because we all know COVID spreads at night according to, to these governments um, and these politicians. If, if that was the case, these are two teams from the same city, practically the same street. Um, I'm pretty sure they could have played this match at 2 or 3 in the afternoon and not run in to arriving home late or whatever past curfew or whatever these overbearing governments are are imposing right now but anyhow we're gonna stick to football and um the the conditions for the game started off good but the rain would start to fall and it would become a very very wet uh and heavy pitch but in the first 10 minutes it's all Benfica Benfica have Sporting pinned back in their defensive third and they're forcing Sporting to play a lot of direct balls out of their area, which is allowing Benfica to to collect it and restart the buildup. And in the 11th minute, Christy Uchibe, the Nigerian, manages to work her way through three Leoish on the left side. On the um, She's on the left flank deep in the attacking third, and she manages to work her way through all three of them and then poke the ball out towards the top of the area, just meters outside of the penalty area. It goes right to Ana Vitoria 
on the left central corridor. And she cuts inside a bit, puts the ball on her right foot, and she uh, she sets herself up for a fantastic right-footed effort. She fires a legitimate missile that is heading towards the top corner of the goal, the top left corner of the goal. And just as you thought you were going to see a goal, it is Spartan's goalkeeper, uh, Inej Pareto, with a superb save, fully outstretched, flying across the goal as she gets her palms to the ball and manages to parry it wide for a... Actually, she didn't even parry it wide. She dropped it in front of her for a rebound that was then by Bruna Costa put out for a corner kick. Fantastic shot from the very inform Ana Vitoria in the Brazil International. Nearly made it 1-0, and I did make a note to remember this save over the course of the rest of this match. Two minutes later, 14th minute, Sparting finally get an attack. They're down the, their right flank. And as they're entering the penalty, Benfica's penalty area, it is Ana Borges attacking. And Christy Uchibi is arriving as she challenges for the ball, wins it. Ana Borges goes to ground like... <laughs> Like she just had her legs cut out from her. Like somebody had just crouched down behind her and completely taken out her legs. And this is something that those of us that have followed this rivalry have grown accustomed to in the now four matches that these two teams have played against each other, four official matches. Anna Borges goes down. She springs up faster than she fell when the when referee Sylvia Domingos ha, is having none of her, her acting and tells her to get up. She can't believe it, and the, the game will play on. But uh, Anna Borges once again trying to get herself a penalty kick uh, and trying to help her team in that way. But... Christie will win the ball and clear it, and it's Benfica going the other way. Same play still as the ball finds its way to Ana Vitoria, who then squares for Andrea Fria. Andrea picks her head up and plays a nice ball over the top of the back line. However, she hits it a little bit too hard, and perhaps um, she hooks the ball a little bit, follows through a little bit too much with the hips, and the ball takes too much of a diagonal trajectory. So rather than pinging into the area for the on-running Chloe Lacasse, it goes a kind of across the across the penalty area, the line of the penalty area. And Chloe has to run it down from the center to the left. And she does run it down. And she's in a foot race with Dem, uh, Dan Djokovic. And unfortunately, the Serbian is hot on her tail. And... The Canadian, the Canadian star Chloe Lacassie would wish to have this opportunity back as she decided to go for a first-time effort at goal, but in making that decision, it resulted in an effort that, uh, that like I said, she w- she'd wish she could have back as she overreaches for the ball, loses her angle, um, not her fault on that, but decides to overreach for the ball. And as a result, her balance is thrown off and her shot goes very easily into the mitts and very slowly into the mitts of Inish Pereira for the easy save. But very nice buildup, very nice counterattack from Befica and a bit unfortunate that the ball was just a little bit too far for Chloe. And all in all, good, good work. It, like I said, just a little bit too far out of her reach and the angle was lost. Now... Sporting, um, being on their heels, Sporting decide quickly to increase their physicality in an effort to slow down the Agiers, and they start to throw their bodies around a bit more. And I did note at this point that our star from Wednesday night, uh, in one of the best matches of her career, no doubt, Christina Amadou has not had the opportunity and not been able to get forward the way she had earlier in the week, obviously playing a much stronger opponent. However, um, keeping keeping Cristina Amado at bay has been Sporting's Brazil international striker and the league's top goal scorer, Raquel Fernandes, cheating regularly over to to Cristina's side and um, basically forcing the newest Portugal national team uh, call-up force her from being able to to really venture forward 
And then in the 21st minute, it's it's our friend Anna Borges again as she hits the ground once again looking for another call. Once again, she's told to get up by Silvia Domingos. At this point, it's when the skies start to open up and the rain starts to beat down on the pitch and on the players as it becomes a very wet morning, late morning, early afternoon in Greater Lisboa. Paulita and Ana Vitoria at this point are in great form in this first half and they are still um, pushing Benfica. Benfica still looking like the much better team at this stage of the match. And in the 23rd, it's Benfica with another opportunity this time. A dangerous free kick to Inej Pereira's left about 5 meters or so outside of the penalty area, slightly in the le- in the Benfica's right center channel, Sporting's left center channel. And you have the two Brazil internationals, Nicole Raisla and Ana Vitoria standing over the ball and it's a direct, a set piece that looks better suited for Nicole's left foot than it does for Ana Vitoria's right foot. But they're both standing there forcing um, Inish Pereira to set up the wall in a way that uh, has to respect both both shooters. So what it does is it makes the wall's ability to close the goal smaller. It allows the wall, it forces the wall to only be able to close a smaller portion of the goal because they have to respect both of the of the set piece takers here and Nicole would would take full advantage of that angle as it would be the it would be the striker taking the left footed effort as she would bend it uh, around the wall and that ball had eyes it was hit hard and low bending downward heading in to the the left sided the post headed into the post to Inej Inej's left side but the Portugal international goalkeeper, and let me tell you, there must have been a record number of international players for a women's match in Portugal on the pitch, on display in this match, um, as Inês Pereira would be outstretched and would absolutely fly across her goal line and just get her hands to the ball and force it wide, keeping it out of the goal. It was a sure goal. I was shouting goal already. At work, I was shouting goal. I thought I saw that go in. Um, Easily the save of the match for Inej Pereira. And Benfica, very, very unlucky to not be ahead 2-0 at this point. And again, keep these saves in mind. These are the things in big matches that make the difference sometimes. As... um, at the end of the day, we're going to look back at these at these two instances and wonder how different the match could have been if even just one of them had found their way past the goal line into the onion bag and if Benfica had managed to get on the score sheet first. In the 26th, we have another opportunity, and this time it's Chloe down her left, beats Ana Borges down the channel, and then drives the ball central, looking for Nicole, who's arriving, but her cross along the ground, is broken up and cleared by Bruna Costa. 28th minute, and Andrea Jacinto goes into the referee, Silvia Domingos' book, for a tactical foul on Nicole as the Sporting midfielder stops a shore Benfica counterattack. That was in the 28th. We're nine minutes later now, and this is when it starts to unravel, unfortunately, for Benfica as Andrea Faria had just made a brilliant turn move as she had received her the ball facing her own goal just about 10 meters from her own penalty area. With two Sporting players on her back, she, she executed an, a perfect Cruyff turn between the two of them, found space, and then played the ball out. Unfortunately, she would receive the ball back about uh, 30 seconds later. In a more advanced area of the pitch, however, Sporting had been able to get back defensively. They had set up their defensive shape. And as as the BTV commentary team is praising Andrea, calling her a crack, which she's a very good player, um, it's just the timing of it was very, very... Uh, was very, very unfortunate because just as they're saying that Andrea is trying to play a square ball back into midfield for Ana Vitoria, but a well-positioned Ana Capeta uh, extends her foot and is able to break up the pass and poke it into the space because what happened was as 
as Andrea was playing it back to Ana Vitoria, Andrea was um, Andrea was making the I'm sorry, Katarina Amadu was making an overlapping run. Um, she was overlapping Andrea down the right, making herself available for the ball, probably for that next pass from from Ana Vitoria. That's what it looks like the combination was going to be. But as the pass to Ana Vitoria was broken up, it was poked into the space that was left exposed by that overlapping run from Katarina Amado. And it is who else but Raquel Fernandes, as I said, cheating to that side, making Benfica pay for that as she takes it down the left flank. And center back Silvia Gabilu is able to run out and stop the Brazilians' progress on the ball and hold up the ball. But Sporting's leading goal scorer and the league's top goal scorer picks her head up, squares it, to the arriving Ana Capeta, who made the original steal. And Ana Capeta, without losing a stride, looks up. And the 22-year-old Alentejo native curls a beautiful shot to the far post out of Danny Newhouse's uh, reach. And the Leoish take the lead as Sporting gets first blood. And it is 1-0 to Sporting to the green side of Lisbon. And I noted that Danny Newhouse was caught flat-footed on this one. Um, she was not positioned well, in my opinion, and flat-footed. And what happened was when she had to react to get to the other side of the goal, she wasn't able to do it because, again, flat-footed. She tried her best. She stretched as far as she could, but she had no chance at getting to the perfectly placed curled shot, um, which was sent rippling the, the, the net. And, again, first blood to Sporting. And suddenly, this match turned on its head. Um, Sporting able to score on their first attempt at goal. Uh, very, very disheartening if you're Benfica and you played so well in the 38 minutes leading up to this. And you, you can't help but think about the two saves at the other end that kept the Agiish off of the board, the Lady Agiish. And all of a sudden, um, it is Sporting who get on the score sheet and the visitors lead 1-0. It is Capita's fourth goal of the season. And Benfica a little bit shell-shocked as time would the next the next six, seven, eight minutes would play out and Silvia Domingos, the goal, the referee, would blow her whistle for halftime. And the teams would retreat to the locker rooms with Sporting on the road leading 1-0. And I'm going to take a quick break here. And when we come back... We'll break down the second half here on Mr. Benfica, episode 97. I am, of course, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And if you'd like to, you can also email me any questions, concerns, criticisms, anything. I love it all. You can email me. That is Benfica at gmail.com. All right, we'll be right back and talk about the second half of this derby, Benfica Sporting in women's football. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica. This is the second half now as we are back at the Stadio Tapadinha and there are no halftime substitutions to report. Both teams send out the same 11 that finished the first half as um, it is 1-0, as you know, to Sporting. And right off the bat, Benfica trying to get back in it. It's Paulita with a very nice diagonal ball played into space up and over the back four. Uh Right on to the run of Katarina Amado, who finally is able to get forward. As the ball takes a bounce, Katarina uses her head to play it down to herself and play herself into the area. Just as she does that, she is cut down at the edge of the penalty area by Joana Michaud. And Joana Michaud will go in the referee's book for a yellow card. This was a, a good 
start to the half for Benfica. As we said, in the first half, Katarina had a very hard time getting forward. Now that Benfica are losing, it looks like the instructions were for her to get forward a little bit more. She does well here to create the free kick on the edge of the penalty area just to the left of Inish Pereira's goal. The free kick would go to Nicole. She would take an in-swinger trying to to cross it toward the far post. However, it was cut out and cleared easily by Bruna Costa. As the first 10 minutes of the second half evaporate, the, the match was much more even. There was much more equilibrium in the play as opposed to in the first half. As I thought in the first half, Befico were actually the better side and were doing more of the productive things. It's just that Benfica did not capitalize on their opportunities, and then Sporting did capitalize on their one opportunity. Now, as the half wears on, we can see that Benfica have stopped being able to get the ball to the feet of Chloe Lacasse, and the Canadian is starting to be forced to retreat deeper and deeper into her own end to get any kind of service and to get touches on the ball. She keeps dropping. And um, this is a little bit of a concerning thing because Benfica are having trouble getting the ball to their dangerous attackers in the attacking third. And it's very hard, obviously, to score goals when you don't get into the attacking third. But in the 53rd minute, it's Andrea Fria who, who had the mistake in the first half, tries to redeem herself here, does well on the ball, and then sends a beautiful ball curled into the space onto the run of Katarina. Once again, Katarina Amado down the right flank. She's running at the Sporting back line into space, cuts central, and she tries to combine with, with Ana Vitoria here. And the prolific wingback gets fouled by Tatiana Pinto as she as she is playing the ball to Ana Vitoria. Uh, referee Silvia Domingos acknowledges the foul but waves play on and plays advantage. But the pass ends up just out of the reach, or not out of the reach, but just not in, not right onto the stride of Ana Vitoria. So as a result, she gives um, her first touch is a little bit heavy, and the ball gets away from her. And for me, at this moment, Sylvia Domingue, who is a very good referee, okay, she's done most of these matches that I have reviewed when I've done single match reviews because she gets most of the big matches. And she is Portugal's uh, referee. She is their representative as a FIFA referee. But I think she gets this one wrong. I feel that the advantage did not materialize, did not even start, to be honest, because the foul affected the original pass that was played to Ana Vitoria, which she could not handle. For me, the whistle should have blown and Befica should have been given a free kick for this. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. And Sporting showing their their experience, knowing Katarina Amadu was just taken down, knowing that there is probably a wide open lane wide on Befica's right side. And Ana Capita collects the loose ball, sends a beautiful diagonal right into space where Raquel Fernandes is, of course, cheating to that space where she's been most of the match. Um, nobody covered for Katarina. She went forward, unfortunately. And Raquel is is alone running down the left channel. She's eventually met by by um by Sylvia Rebelo. Sylvia gets out, but at that point, Raquel picks her head up and she sends a diagonal ball across the face of the goal in the air looking for Ana Borges, who's streaking onto the far post. It's just ahead of Ana, but she is able to run it down and play a first-time pass back into space. Um, she plays it like backwards towards the the left corner of the penalty area um, to Danny Newhouse's left. And that's where the late arriving Ana Capita is running. And she comes in perfectly. And despite having virtually no angle because it was, it was quite deep in the, in the, in the penalty area, the ball was not sent near the top of the area. I said it was towards the corner, but it was, it was about halfway between the inline and the corner, but along the, the edge of the area. And running onto it was Ana Capita. And with her right foot, she just has a whack at it towards the near post. And the ball goes up. And it beats Danny Newhouse unexplicably to the near post high. And the Brazilian goalkeeper gets a hand to it. But ends up watching it go into the goal. And just like that, 
Sporting double their lead. Capita doubles her tally, and it is 2-0. The exact thing you can't have happen at the start of a half when you need to come back. And as a result, Befica find themselves down by two. And this obviously is not good as... Um, they're really going to be asking questions here of the referee. I think Sylvia Domingue should have blown this play dead because the the advantage did not materialize. That didn't happen. Heads up play by Spartan, knowing that there was an opening on the pitch. Um, it's worth mentioning that Katarina Madu did everything she could to get back. She jumped up as fast as she could and sprinted back as, as hard as she could. But by the time she arrived, it was, it was Danielle Fernand sending it towards Anna Borges who drops it and like I said the Alentejana runs onto it whacks it to the near post and it's up off of the crossbar and into the goal 2-0 to Sporting and again you have to ask questions of Dani Newhouse in goal and really that decision by Luis Andrade is really like a it's like a sticking out like a sore thumb at this point perhaps this is what the question he was asking himself perhaps he needed an answer to this um i would expect that we see uh carolina villon uh starting in the next match in belgium on wednesday and with that goal you literally see all of the air i mean all of the air escape out of the sails of benfica as they are left uh just you can see that they are left a bit distraught and a bit deflated. Uh, Sporting from that point take complete control of the match as um, as they leave us Benficistas contemplating the tale of this, the storyline of this match. Really, the narrative is the tale of the two goalkeepers, and that was the difference in this one, ladies and gentlemen, because. At one end, one goalkeeper made two unbelievable saves of what were sure goals, and they managed to keep keep the ball out of the goal. And at the other end, it was plays which the goalkeeper should have had, at least one of the two. I think both of them, really, you had to ask questions of Danny Newhouse. But especially in this second one, this one was on her. And it literally killed Benfica's game at that point. With 35 minutes to play, they find themselves down 2-0 and wondering and scrambling how they're going to get forward and how they're going to get back into it. Well, Luis Andrade will try to change things up, and this is another uh, decision I think that did not result as he decides to make a double substitution in the 58th. It's Kika Nazareth coming in, replacing Ana Vitoria, and the Brazil international is visibly unhappy with the manager's decision as she is, she shows her displeasure towards the bench as she walks off the field at the far end of the pitch. And I like this, obviously. She's a competitor, and um, in a match like this, with this much time left, you have to think if you're a competitor and you're a player that there's enough time to get this back. And she had been one of Benfica's best players in this match up until this point. And you got to wonder if Andrade is thinking already about Anderlecht and if he's trying to save her, if two, if he thinks 2-0 is too steep of a, a hole to climb out of, or if he's just remembering, like I said earlier, that this is this is for all intents and purposes from his perspective, not from a player or a supporter's perspective, but from the manager's perspective, uh, a glorified friendly match, and he wants to get one of his star players off the pitch and rested. Possibly that was the case. So she's replaced by young Kika Nazareth, and also Dutch midfielder Jolene Amani is on, and she replaces Christy Uchibi, the Nigeria international. And the plan is very obvious for Luis Andrade now as he makes that substitution. He is telling his team that they are going much more direct and they will attempt to do that, and I was as upset as Ana Vitoria with this, actually, when I saw it. I couldn't believe he made this substitution. It took me quite some time to come to the conclusion I just came to that maybe this was what he was... Maybe this was a... This was an experiment he was trying to do. Maybe this is he was trying to get some questions answered about his team in this match, and that's why he made some of these decisions he made, but in the end... Um, Benfica were not better for this substitution as I think they found it harder to get a rhythm going. They started to play more direct, which played right into Sporting's strength. 
as uh, they were sporting with the more physical style, were able to just impose it even more as Benfica are playing a bit more of kick and rush and a lot less build-up, and they're allowing Spartan to use their strength and their experience at that point. In the 60th minute, it's a yellow card to Fatima Pinto of Spartan, and I wanted to note that Spartan are creating the fouls, okay? When Spartan need to, they, they give a foul. Spartan have gone into the book three times now. Benfica not even really a foul committed as um it's the same criticism we're seeing of Benfica's men's team as well did you know that Benfica's men's team has the fewest number of fouls in the entire Liga Nage and I think Benfica's women's team also commits virtually no fouls and perhaps there's something again I wrote an article on mrbenfica.com go check it out about the culture okay it's kind of a it's kind of a continuation of what I wrote earlier in the summer about the culture at Benfica and um, it's kind of a follow up to that in how you know this this problem of the culture at Benfica still not been addressed and I don't think it's a winning culture within the club whether it's the men's football women's football basketball whether it's you know, uh, rink hockey. It, right now, there is a overall a culture that lacks a killer instinct and lacks a winning drive. And well, I'm not trying to to say that the women, this women's team, lacks a winning drive. But this match was, and the way it was managed. Okay, so this is more an indictment, I think, on the manager, at least in this particular match, and the way that he approached it. It lacked a winner's attitude, in my opinion. Now, again, there may be reason for that. He may be trying to do something else because he only has so many matches where his side is going to be challenged. And this is one of them. Okay, Granted, they were challenged a week earlier by Tuchayens when they maybe shouldn't have been. So that should have answered some questions for him. But, again, Befica just not matching the physical style, not... not fighting there's a lack of fight okay at least in this match and i'm not you know again this is not the end of the world like i said this is not an indictment on this team i think this is a very talented team that still has the same possibility and same opportunity to win this league after this match as they had before if this result will end up not having a bearing on that but i think we see some of the things that need to be improved upon and Befica keep trying to play long, I noted here, and Sporting always well positioned and always uh, with ease finding the counter and putting Befica under all kinds of stress. Befica starting to get emotional at this point and starting to run a little harder, kick a little harder, but really what they needed, I think, was to settle down a little bit and to play a little bit more of a controlled game as... Sporting were just cool and collected and just continuing to manage the match professionally and to completely control the tempo. And we see every time Benfica do get the ball onto Chloe, she has to retreat deep into her into her midfield. She gets the ball and she is almost immediately fouled every time she turns. As she's receiving the ball almost every time facing her own goal, which is not what you want for a player that's that that explosive and that dangerous, that dynamic. You want her facing the way she's attacking. Instead, in order for her to get the ball, she's retreating and having to face her own goal. And every time she successfully will turn, there's a sparking player there to cut her down. Every time Benfica get the ball wide and try to come inside, there's a sparking player there to cut off the passing lane. Um, this was just a, a, a game plan that did not work out. Mostly because of the way that the scoreline played out. Had Benfica gone ahead, I think this is, again, this is a whole different matchup. If Benfica go ahead and if they get the the advantage and if they're less under pressure to create something, they could have, I think, managed the match a little bit better. But, hey, football is a game of a round ball and it can roll anywhere, like they say, and this is why you play the game. And Spartan showed just how how talented and how deep they are. Um, well, not deep, but they showed how talented and how experienced and just intelligent of a team they have. And I, you have to tip your hat to your rival once in a while. And this is a match where everything worked out perfectly for Spartan. Now, on a different day, different circumstances, different little bits of luck, it could have worked out completely differently. So, Mifigo will have to pick their heads up after this one. And remember that. Now, on the other hand, Benfica, I noted here, as I just said, not committing any fouls, allowing Sporting to continue to break out. 65th minute, 
And finally, a hard foul as Anita Sesa will come in with a hard tackle on Ana Capeta. She'll come down on the goal scorer's foot and you will see the Portugal international on the ground in pain for quite a few minutes. But Silvia Domingues will not show the yellow card to Benfica's young left back. We'll fast forward now as it's um, much of the same throughout the next 20 minutes or so. And in the 84th minute, Sporting make a substitution. Susana Kova sends on Carolina Mensch and she replaces the double goal scorer Ana Capeta. Now again, in the 85th minute, a ball is whipped in by Meister and it is cleared on the first attempt by Carol Costa. Sorry, Carol Costa. <laughs> I always... I always mispronounce her name. I, I use the wrong the wrong pronunciation or the wrong language to pronounce her name. I do apologize to Karal for that. Uh, but she she heads that towards midfield, and it bounces around a little bit. Finally, uh, Paulita tries to touch it into space to herself, um, but it is cut out by Tatiana Pintu, and Paulita is dispossessed. Tatiana then plays into space for Raquel Fernandes, who makes her run um, kind of sneakily. She makes a nice, uh, smart run as she finds a space between Katarina Amado and Silvia Gabelu. The ball meets her on her run. The ball splits the two Benfica backline members. And the Brazil International League leading goal scorer is in on goal, and she makes no mistake with the inside of her right foot. She calmly slots the ball. To the far post, out of the reach of out of the reach of Danny Newhouse, and it is one to nil. Sorry, it is three to nil, excuse me, in favor of Sporting. And the reason I sound distracted is because Befica and Anderlecht have just kicked off, and I have it on here as something just transpired. And it looks like Benfica have a free kick inside the Anderlecht area. They have a direct, an indirect free kick inside Anderlecht's area. So I'm going to pause for a moment and see what happens here. Benfica with a good chance in the 13th minute. At I say they just started. It's the 13th minute. As I'm trying to finish this episode, the new match is on. A, a disclosure that um, I started recording this episode yesterday and I'm finishing it now. So let's see what happens here because I don't want to sound distracted as I'm going over notes from the previous match. Benfica now uh, and elect have the entire team on the goal line with the goalkeeper just to step out in front. Let's see what happens here. Benfica with a good opportunity perhaps. Uh, you got Chloe around the ball. You've got Nicole Raisla around the ball. Ana Vitoria. Let's see what happens here and who ends up getting to fire this at the wall that is across the goal line. And the referee is is making sure everybody gives the space that they have to. And this is a little bit of bonus coverage here on Mr. Benfica. A little live commentary. Let's see what happens here. Referee's hand is straight up for the indirect, waiting on Benfica to start. Anderlecht move early. Referee... Pushes them back. Still no restart. This is these are tough to. They keep moving early. Anderlecht does, and now Anderlecht's goalie kicks the ball away before it was put into play. Referee's having a word with Ana Vitoria. Orders the goalkeeper back to the line. It'll be fun to talk about this match later in the week. But here we go with Benfica again, trying to get this indirect kick from the top of the six-yard box, essentially. On, and it is not going to result as the shot is blocked by the goalkeeper as we move back to Saturday's match. And we are in the 85th, as I said. Riquel Fernandes has just uh, added to her league-leading goal tally. She now has 10, and it's 3-0. And moments later, it is full-time, five minutes later. And a tough one for Benfica. And after analyzing this this match, I find the scoreline slightly misleading. I think it was a well-deserved victory for Sporting because they were the efficient side. Benfica incredibly inefficient in this one. That ends up being the difference. But in terms of gameplay, much closer game than a 3-0 result would indicate. And I did note that either Luis Andrade got it all wrong in this match with his selections or he was quietly experimenting. Um, I've yet to find his 
his uh, comments after this one. Uh, perhaps I'll mention them in the next episode if I can track them down. But I also noted that a year ago it was Benfica winning very consider uh, very convincingly two nil at. Uh, at the Stadio de Luz over this very same Sporting team. Both teams have lost some players. The league also implemented a salary cap this season, which is a big reason why some of the why a number of players left both of these squads. So that's also something to consider. But um, that was a day a year ago where everything went Benfica's way. Sporting's only opportunities came off of set pieces. This this year is kind of the reverse. As Benfica, outside of the set pieces, had very few opportunities. You can think of the Ana Vitoria goal early in the match, and you can sorry the yeah the opportunity. As I continue to get distracted watching the live match right now, I apologize. Uh, her early missile that was saved by Inej Pereira in the top corner. Um, Inish Pereira for me is the the player of the match slightly over Ana Capeta. I know Ana Capeta has two goals, but without those two saves from Inish Pereira, I think this game is completely different. So I think there are lessons to learn in this match, and I think Luis Andrade and his staff are going to sit down. They're going to evaluate this, and they're going to discuss it with the team if they haven't already. And there will be lessons that will be learned and, I believe, applied in future matches. Okay, um, There's... Losing is not easy, especially when you're a team that is chasing the title. And you're a team that's not going to lose very many matches, as you know, um, just due to the disparity in the level of play and the level of talent between all of the between the teams in the league. Um, so when losing does happen, you don't want it to happen. When it does happen, you have to take full advantage of it and take all of the lessons that that game taught you and apply them. Hopefully Benfica will do that. And the next time we see Sporting, I think we can see, um, expect to see a more efficient, more uh, more professional-like uh, performance from these Benfica ladies. Let's quickly run down the table. And this is only for the south section okay, of the first division of the Liga BPI as we have Sporting top of the table right now with 18 points and a match in hand. Okay, Benfica second with also 18 points, but now with a loss, losing the head-to-head to Sporting. And as we said, Sporting have the match in hand. Third place is Istoril with 10 points, and fourth place is Amora uh, with 9 points, and they currently have the tiebreaker over uh, the Mayans, who also have 9 points in fifth. Top four will advance. Uh, the bottom the bottom six will go to a, a relegation um a relegation division, if you will, a relegation stage where they will all fight to avoid relegation to the second division next season. And sixth place is Tuchayens with seven points. They're still in the picture to get into that group that can get to the final stage. Maritimu are seventh with six points. Athletic Oriens are eighth with three. Same for Fofol also known as Football Club Benfica, Club Football Benfica. They're ninth with only three points, which is a bit surprising because they are typically one of the strong teams in the league and traditionally one of the strong teams in women's football. And in 10th place is Adus Franks with zero points again. There are two rounds left to play unless you're Sporting. Sporting have three, uh, as does one of the other teams who Sporting have yet to play and for the match that they need to make up. Now, top four advance, as we said, they'll be joined by the four finishers or the four top finishers from the north section. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode 97, Mr. Benfica Women's Football Edition. I'll be back this weekend with a review of Women's Champions League, of course, as Benfica playing as I speak in Belgium against Anderlecht. And I'll have all of the opinion and analysis for you coming this weekend as uh, we get ready to welcome back the men's team in a cup match on Saturday. Um, look for a review of that, obviously, shortly thereafter. And remember that uh, we are getting very, very close to episode 100 here on Mr. Benfica. So uh, this is 97, so we're getting on, on, the, on the cusp of breaking 100. I'm very excited about that. Looking forward to that episode when it comes. Um, we'll see what, what game and what team and, and what, uh, what the story is for that, for that 
episode 100, won't we? All right. So I'm going to be signing off now here. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Again, follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, on Facebook at www.facebook.com. Uh, check out my article if you haven't already, my new one at Mr. Benfica's, um, at www.mrbenfica.com. And, um, Give that a read, and I'll talk to you again this weekend here on Mr. Benfica, part of the PTB Media Network. Crega Benfica, Forza Benfica, hashtag we are Benfica, e plurubus unum. Bye, everybody.